Kelly Byers, and this is Associations Today. My guest is Seth Kahn, speaker, author, association consultant, and a thought leader on visionary associations. I'm talking to Seth today because of his new book. So Seth, tell us about that. Yes, Visionary Leadership. It's my fourth book. It's coming out uh, next month, which is June, early in the month. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it includes a lot of content from my work with associations on visionary leadership. What? How do you define visionary leadership and why is it important? Uh, when I think of visionary leadership, I think of leaving the world a better place than you find it. And for an association leader, that means leveraging the expertise and experience of their members for large external stakeholder groups, and maybe even humanity, and doing it in a way, of course, that extends the mission so that you're serving the organization and the members at the same time. You know, when I think about uh, engaging members around making a big difference versus getting through an agenda or adhering to Robert's rules of order, there's a definite energy, I think, in the work that you're doing. And there are competencies that are involved in that. So tell us a little bit about the competencies of visionary leaders as you define them. Sure. Um, I did some research just based on my own experience in diagnostics, and I found them grouped into three major categories, personal power, association leadership, and market acumen. So personal power is the ability to inspire and also to be sensitive to the organization so that you can detect internal trends uh, as well as self-transformation uh, intentionally and, uh, and taking care of yourself in the process. Association leadership is really about how we take associations into the 21st century. One of the key elements there is reframing obstacles as opportunities. Also learning how to lead collectively and by that, I mean uh, working with organizations outside the association as well as key constituent groups inside the association. And then there's market acumen. And market acumen is really about understanding where you fit in the larger market. So detecting larger patterns, identifying disruptions, systems thinking. And of course, and this is new for many association leaders, doing strategy in real time as opposed to every three years. You know, let's uh, stick with that strategy in real time for just a minute. How do you define that and how do you help associations do that? Well, it really has to do with being opportunistic or dealing with challenges that uh, arise that were not taken into consideration during the formal strategic planning process. So building an organization that is able to shift its strategy as the market and as disruptions uh, move around it. And that, that requires a different kind of leadership and management. Uh, some of the benchmarking recently has shown that on average, board members, uh, so association leaders, are spending about 40 hours a year on association business. And when you think of the con in context of how many hours are available, that's actually a very small number. So uh, talk a little bit about board leader responsibilities versus staff responsibilities in terms of visionary leadership? Until recently, and I, by recently, I mean the last 10 to 20 years, it was really the board's job to provide the strategy and direction of the organization and the executive director's job just to figure out how to carry out their wishes. But these days, executive directors and often the executive team themselves are really on the front lines dealing with members much more than those 40 hours a week you identified, which gives them specialized knowledge. 
this is threatening the traditional governance model. And when you see new governance models being developed, they're uh, really figuring out how to leverage this new situation. It means that for board directors, that they really have to, uh, one, understand the value that the executive director and sometimes their staff bring to the meetings, uh, that it's more than it used to be. Uh, but it also means that there's a higher expectation that the board step into the strategy role and really let go of the operational role in a way that it, it hasn't until recently. So what are you seeing successful associations do that are helping in the transition with this new role for the board? Well, uh, you know, many associations complain about the lack of board orientation. Successful ones are taking orientation really seriously uh, so that people can hit the ground running. Uh, the uh, executive directors of successful associations or associations are also at, at introducing new strategic ideas iteratively so that the board has time to digest them. Uh, and uh, many boards are giving the executive director a greater role in the discussions themselves. And I see them really valuing what the executive directors have to offer. There, there's a lot of infrastructure that can really make a difference for a board meeting. And I'll give you just a couple of fast examples. One is that the chair themselves take a strong interest in facilitation techniques. So they know how to listen how to direct the conversation, how to make sure everyone's participating, and how to run a meeting in both an orderly but also uh, a friendly fashion. Um, and the second thing that I see is uh, documents that uh, remind people. For example, when I was on the board of the American Geophysical Union, we had a placemat that had our uh, kind of core areas of focus uh, for the strategic plan and the mission and the vision. And uh, we also had on the back of our name tents uh, a series of questions that included things like, what would a member say if they were listening to this conversation? And those little helpful and very small, really inexpensive uh, pieces of infrastructure create the guardrails for the board to stay on task. Um, so those are some of the things I see. That's uh, one of the things I love is that a small tweak can have a very big impact. And uh, also with CEOs and executive directors, their role is changing too, as the board's role is changing. And as you noted, uh, those that are successful are stepping into the role of uh, a higher level, I think, of board engagement and board management and board leadership. So it's not just the operational work that they're doing internally but it is enlarging and unleashing, uh, so enlarging the, the vision for the board, but unleashing the board to do its best work on behalf of the organization. I wanna swing back to competencies here because I don't wanna miss the competencies that you've identified. You noted that there's three high level areas that they fall under, but can you quickly identify the competencies that fall under each of those three areas? Sure, I'd be happy to. And in the book, uh, they're not only laid out, but there are actual exercises for each competency so that if someone says there's one they want to improve upon, there's actually a recommendation for how to do that, along with the assessment so they can kind of grade themselves or their board or their executive team on them. So uh, personal power. Uh, this has four areas. They all have four areas. And this includes storytelling. Storytelling, you know, is a very powerful way to not only inspire people, but to get information to travel fast in a way that people can remember. 
story listening, which is the reciprocal of storytelling, uh, people have to become very good at understanding the values that are conveyed in stories and how to pull them out of people uh, in concrete ways. Intentional self-transformation, that's one of my favorites. What you see from visionary CEOs is that they do things that they've never done before. They jump into the deep end of the pool and learn to swim, and they do that on purpose. Uh, so they're often putting themselves in high growth situations and the corresponding uh, com competency there is radical self-care. Uh, if you're going to be playing all out hard, you need to learn how to renew yourself uh, so that you can play hard as well as work hard and have those resources, the internal resources available to you when you really need to call on them. The second uh, large category is association leadership, and so this speaks specifically to running an organization that is an association. Uh, the first is reframing obstacles as opportunity. Uh, that's something that many visionary CEOs do naturally, but they have to teach it to their board and their executive team who are used to surfacing the challenges and feeling stymied by them. Uh, each challenge, of course, represents a real opportunity for a breakthrough. Uh, there's collective learning. So that's working with the different constituencies, you know, committees, boards, staff members, and, and making sure that everybody's learning together so that everybody's on the same page. Leading for collective impact. Collective impact is a methodology, and I, I give resources for that in the book, uh, that has developed in the last 10 years. And it's for working with organizations that do not report to you, uh, which is very different. Uh, because you cannot uh, you know, use a carrot or a stick. You have to find other ways to get people to take action uh, together. And uh, the last one under association leadership is ecosystem leadership. And that's about understanding how the different parts of the organization work together. Then there's market acumen. Detecting larger patterns is obviously critical. Those patterns that are going to be around for a while. AI is an example of one of those right now. Identifying disruptions what's coming on towards your organization that has the potential to take it out or give, take a, you know, cause you to take a big hit. Uh, systems thinking. Systems thinking is a very different way of grasping the world, but as we live in a world of exponential change, it's really important that people understand how multiple variables can work together. And we have recognized, and Deloitte even did a paper on this, that the topple rate of uh, old standards, big organizations that we never thought would fall, has accelerated dramatically because of uh, the systems that we're in. And so you see organizations that have been around for a long time, like GE recently, just taking a huge hit and suffering. And then the last one under market acumen is real-time strategy. And I spoke earlier a little bit about that. You know, all of this, I think, means that we're living in a time of uncertainty. And so I think one of the important leadership qualities today is a willingness to be uncomfortable on behalf of the future of the organization and a willingness to sit with discomfort. We are natural born problem solvers and so often we have problem and we immediately run to the solution or want to run to the solution. And because the problems are bigger and more complex and more collaboration is required, I think we need to be willing to sit with the uncertainty. That's not comfortable. We don't know how to do it in many cases, and I think it's something that, that we have to practice. So uh, I, I'm really glad you identified that, uh, especially in terms of CEOs who are, are doing that on a more regular basis. They're leading their boards through that, uh, and they're willing to just dive into the deep end of the pool. But there's some stress that goes along with that. So uh, I like the play hard but also recover hard uh, concept that, that you talk about. Second. Is visionary leadership for every CEO? 
Oh, uh, no, it's not. In fact, there's a bell curve around uh, CEOs. On the tail end, you've got the places where you really don't want to be, where you're lost in the past. Uh, but then you have the big hump. And the big hump is really about uh, operating functionally in today's environment, uh, is, including in the near-term future. And that's where most association CEOs are. On the other side of that curve, you start to see people who are pushing into the future and even uh, actively architecting the future of the organization and its impact on society. Uh, in trade associations, this includes providing solutions to legislators that uh, take into consideration uh, the consumer as well as, of course, your organization and society. And legislators are often grateful for these solutions. But when uh, an association CEO is working side by side with congresspeople on relevant issues, they are really engaged in midwifing the future. Uh, and so you have a, a really small segment of CEOs who are pushing hard in that direction. And that's where you find the visionary CEO competencies coming into play. Well, I like to say that collaboration is the new currency for associations. I, I don't think it's possible uh, to, you know, they say no man is an island, and I don't think an association can be an island either. And certainly not if you choose to be an influential association. There has to be a, uh, a larger concern and a uh, not just we, we want this for our members because it's best for our members. It's got to be what's, what's best for society as a whole and what's best for all stakeholders who, who play in that space. Um, and, and that actually is a nice bridge to grand challenges. I love the work you're doing around this. So explain what that is and then share a couple examples if you would. Sure. And I just want to emphasize the point you just made. Uh, because we live in an interconnected world much more than we ever have before, uh, insularity uh, is really the kiss of death. When a CEO and a board decides that they're going to focus all of their energy on their members and not on the outside world, they're effectively sealing themselves off, not just from resources and visibility, but from value creation. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. A grand challenge is one of my favorite uh, activities. I'm engaged in three of them right now, and I've uh, worked in the past on three, so I'm up to six. I hope to uh, be able to do well over 100 uh, in the years ahead. These are large, bold initiatives where an association leverages its experience and expertise to make a contribution to society and work side by side with partners that include other organizations and activists. And can you give us an example of uh, one or two? Uh, that you have worked on and Absolutely. you're working on? Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, I worked with uh, the American Geophysical Union before I was on their board on the Thriving Earth Exchange, which brings together scientists and people who have a local need and funders uh, to develop solutions that are good for the planet as well as good for the community. Uh, one of the things that we discovered there was that there were many times when a community was faced with an environmental issue or an issue as a result of a natural disaster, and they were focused on creating solutions that worked for them, but sometimes were not so great for the surrounding environment or the larger geosystem. And so we make sure that they have a scientist and they have funding to work with that scientist. Uh, that's going really well. The Thriving Earth Exchange, you can look it up on Google. Uh, another one. Uh, that I'm very proud of is the uh, CFP Board of Standards Center for Financial Planning. The financial planning profession uh, is really having a talent crisis, 
there are more people, I think over 70 than there are under 30 working in the financial planning sector. And there's also very low representation of people of color and women. And so we have been working together to address diversity issues and build the pipeline. Uh, and we're having a lot of success and received major support from some of the largest financial organizations in the United States today. So how's the grand challenge different than something you would see on a traditional strategic plan? Well, it's external facing. So the Center for Financial Planning is helping the finance profession to understand what's keeping women and people of color from joining their ranks and how to begin uh, integrating them. And that's a huge issue. It's very complex. It's not simple at all. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of dimensions to that. So they, they're wading into deep water. They're wading into issues around gender equality and race relations, which in the United States are very big, complicated issues. Uh, and so it takes a lot of courage to go directly into that. Uh, and the same is true uh, in every grand challenge I work on because you're, you're dealing with an intractable problem. That means it's one that's never been solved. Uh, associations traditionally will take on programs where they know they can win because they, they, they want to feel confident and stable and secure. Uh, but these grand challenges mean uh, addressing some of the most complicated issues that society is facing today where solutions do not yet exist. And that takes tremendous fortitude and courage. I know, though, that you see, as you work with boards and CEOs, uh, one of the things that excites me is that we're working with really great thinkers and really passionate people. And I think the key is how do you harness that for the good, not only of the organization, but for the society and, as you said, for the world as a whole. Uh, Seth, I could talk to you all day long. We're going to have to wrap up here. Before we do, though, how can people get a hold of your book? Well, uh, they can go to my website, uh, visionaryleadership.com slash the book. Um, or if you want just a PDF, I will send you one for free. Um, and you can send me an email at seth at visionaryleadership.com. I'll send you the PDF of the book. Uh, and that's a, uh, that's an offer that's just, this is the second time I've offered at one particular audience, but I'd be happy to do it for any of your listeners. I appreciate that, Seth. I can't wait to get my hands on the book and start reading. I know I'm going to have a highlighter. There's going to be plenty of food for thought. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about you is that you are a thinker and you are not only a thought leader, but you help other people become thinkers too. Not just thinkers, but doers. So thank you for your work. Uh, this is Successful Associations Today. Thanks for joining us.